0: Well, hi, folks. This is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. It's always one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. Times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is Wednesday, February the 23rd, 2022. And uh, as is typical on Wednesday, it is an interview day. We will be conducting this interview in a live stream on uh I think eight platforms are up to now. We have added uh, no agenda tube since Adam Curry was on on Monday. And uh, so even if you didn't get to see the live broadcast, if you decide you want to take this in and video content in today's show notes, there'll be a link over to where you can catch the video on one of the platforms. Uh, What are we going to talk about today? Sovereign retirement with Bitcoin. Um, I'm going to make a, a request to some of you holdouts on crypto. I want you to gaze north, not very far to a nation that we used to think of is almost equal to the United States on liberties and freedom. I mean, surely they didn't have that whole pesky Second Amendment. That seems to be part of the problem right now, honestly. Um, But I'll put it to you this way. If you were in a third world country and you had a chance to get out, most people in that situation, if they could pick any country in the world they wanted to go to, they would have picked the United States of America. And I think it's the case now probably more than two years ago that they would do it today because of our if they understood our system of federalism and the ability to change your life by moving across a state line and how, how big that impact is, that's, that's the number one thing we still have going for us. But if you said, okay, you can't go to America, give me five other countries, we'll put them all in a hat and you'll get one. You probably would have said Canada, Australia, the United Kingdom. And I have no guess what your other ones would be. Possibly, you know, be somewhere in Europe or Scandinavia would probably be the places that you would pick. Maybe Japan, I don't know. But you would have said Canada, Australia, okay, New Zealand. I didn't really think of them being separate countries. Uh, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, UK. That would make almost anybody's list of five other than the U.S. Look what's going on right now in Canada. Look at the attack on finances in Canada. What we're going to talk about today is a way to play their game under their rules, but still your keys, your coins. See how that works? So if they decide to change the rules and they try to seize your assets, they can't. If they want to, if they want to freeze your assets, they can't. That's what we're going to talk about today. That's something that only Bitcoin can do only Bitcoin can do in the way that we're going to talk about it today for right now. And if you want to continue to hold all of your wealth in a manner in which somebody somewhere can decide you don't need to have it anymore, or you don't need it for right now, we just to make sure you, you can't move it or do anything with it. We just need to hold on to it until we figure out whether or not you're actually a domestic terrorist, then you need Bitcoin in your life. And you probably need it inside and outside of retirement accounts like we're going to talk about today. But I definitely think you need some in. And I'm not even, I'm not even pre-endorsing Jeff here. When I'm recording this intro, I have not had the interview yet. I've checked him out. He looks completely legit. His company looks completely legit. There's probably other options. I've been looking for one to wholesale endorse. I haven't found that yet. But I think this is a very informative person or I wouldn't be having him on with you. And I want you to focus first on the concept and then second on whether or not Jeff is the guy for you. Because that's how I bring you things all the time. We'll get to Jeff in just a minute. Before we do, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor day number one today is KnifeKits.com. KnifeKits has been a, a sponsor of this show since I think 2011 or 2010, one or the other. A very, very long time. They've been very loyal. And that's because you guys have been loyal to them, and you guys have bought a lot of their stuff over the years. They do a discount for the MSB as well. It's a small discount, but they do it. Um, you know, they're probably in a very thin margin business. But right now, we're living in a day and age where everything is just cut stamp print, cut stamp print. We've lost kind of that individual thing. And we've lost a lot of skill sets as well. KnifeKits.com will help you get started in the hobby of knife making. It can go somewhere like a side hustle or a full business from there if you want to. But how about just learning how to make a knife? How about making some heirloom knives with your kids or grandkids or nieces and nephews? KnifeKits.com will not let you down. They have an amazing selection, including the uh, educational resources you need if you've never done it before. Check them out today at KnifeKits.com. Next up, the Free State Project. I mentioned when I was talking about looking at other countries that one of the things that's kept America, I still believe, more free than any other nation in the world is not, you know, like straight up our Constitution, as in it protecting us. More it's our constitutional form of a republic, form of government, being a constitutional republic that has given individual states the freedom to basically do things independently of other states, and at times in direct opposition to the federal government. One state doing a great job with that is New Hampshire, and I'm going to tell you why. Because thousands of people that want liberty have gone to New Hampshire as a small state with a large representative body of government. A small number of people who are dedicated can have a magnified impact. That's why it was chosen for the Free State Project. Does that mean you should live there? I don't know. I don't know. The cold is not for me. It's 24 degrees out right now. I'm pretty miserable about it, and I know it's going to be in the 40s in two days, and I'm still angry. Okay, so maybe it's not for me, but it might be for you if you don't mind cold winters. And if you enjoy the lifestyle that is New Hampshire, it is a beautiful state. I did almost move there many, many years ago when I was 21 years old. I almost moved there after I got out of the Army. Beautiful place. But what if you're not sure? How about this? Go to New Hampshire and take a vacation. Go to fsp.org forward slash visit nh. And learn all about the program where you can go up there and have an awesome vacation. See the touristy stuff, but see the stuff the tourists usually miss. And meet some cool people. And kind of function stack. Vacation and investigate. And determine if maybe New Hampshire and the Free State Project is right for you. And remember, the reason I support FSP and the reason you should too, even if you don't go there. Liberty Anywhere is good for Liberty Everywhere. With that, let's go ahead and uh, get our special guest on today. Again, his name is Jeff Vandrew. Uh, he is an awesome guy. He's a licensed attorney, certified public accountant, and financial planner. He's a leading voice in the Bitcoin industry on IRAs and tax planning. He's been featured in Bloomberg Law, Coindesk, and Bitcoin Magazine. And with that, let's drop to the live feed. And with that, we are live, and I am uh happy to welcome our guest today, Jeff Van Drew, uh who is with um, Unchained Capital. And we're going to be talking about Bitcoin for retirement today. Uh, Jeff, thanks for joining us at the Survival Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, man. It's great to be here.
0: This is an awesome topic. It's something I've been riffing on for a long time, both Bitcoin in your retirement and then Bitcoin in retirement accounts. So we'll kind of talk about both of those today. But, you know, I, I'm pretty protective of my community, man. So right out of the gate, why should our listeners listen to you uh, when it comes to retirement and Bitcoin? Those are two things that are really Not been together uh, as much as I think they should have been for the last few years.
1: Yeah, sure. So I'll give you like a brief background overview and we, if you want to dig into anything further, feel free. Um, so yeah, I'm an attorney and also a certified public accountant and a CFP. Um, I've been, I started practicing as a lawyer in, man, I should, I believe it was 2007. Uh, so I've been doing this sort of thing for a while. Obviously, my specialty is in tax, being both an attorney and a CPA. Uh, and my big, I guess, product has always been, well, not always, but since 2014, has been a method to hold Bitcoin within your IRA while still having control over your private keys. That's always been my big thing because the, the initial very early Bitcoin IRAs didn't give you any level of key control like that. So I did that on my own. Uh, from 2014 through 2021. And then in 2021, uh, Unchained Capital sort of acquired that product from, from me. And now I am sort of the head of retirement inheritance products at Unchained Capital.
0: Very cool. So let's talk about regular retirement accounts. I mean, that's what most Americans rely on. Can you kind of talk about some of the potential downsides of the typical 401k or Roth 401k or IRA or what have you?
1: Yeah. So like in your typical tax advantage retirement account, uh, you know, you're limited to the assets that your plan administrator allows. Right. So if it's a retirement, if it's a work based re- retirement plan, like a 401k, it's whatever that employer chooses to offer as an option within the 401k. If it's an IRA, it's whatever, you know, whatever brokerage you use to open up your IRA, uh, You're you're limited to the menu of options that they offer. So, I mean, if you're pessimistic as to the future of fiat currency, which you probably have some listeners that are, uh, or soft money in general, well, you know, you're going to have all those same downsides because that's typically the only type of investment that's going to be offered within that type of plan. I mean, there is uh, a Bitcoin ETF available now through most brokerages uh, in terms of a brokerage IRA if you're looking to get Bitcoin price exposure. But, you know, for reasons I'm sure we'll talk about more as we go along in the podcast, it's not the same when you're not holding your own private keys for your Bitcoin.
0: Yeah, I think on the ETF, too, the, the problem right now is we don't really have what I consider a true Bitcoin ETF. We have a futures ETF.
1: Right, it's, we, not it's not a physical Bitcoin, Bitcoin ETF. ETF.
0: Yeah, it's not a spot ETF, so it is far more subject to manipulation than even a. I mean, we can get into the issues with it with a uh, like a B an ETF as a thing, but the futures ETF is, in my opinion, causing a tremendous amount of additional volatility in the market right now. Because there's actually several of them, and they all have to uh, do a disclosure with prospectus and. They're, it's all published and they actually in the prospectus give the dates that they're going to act on their trades. Now, if you're, if you're in the market of shorting, uh, you know, on on either side and and you have that information and you know that massive amount of money is going to be moving in and out of contracts on those days. I mean, it's like, it's like you're supposed to be shooting an aerial target, but somebody set it up on a stump and gave you a scope.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's one of one of the, I guess you could say, downsides, right, of uh, excessive transparency in this case.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you add public – I didn't even think of it. You add public blockchain plus that knowledge, and uh, it's, a, it's a, a short trader's freaking dream come true, at least for now. I personally think that maybe a Bitcoin ETF is not the best position for people to take, but I think it's the one a lot of people are going to take when a true spot ETF comes in, and mm-hmm. that's why I'm trying – among many other reasons to encourage my listeners to take a Bitcoin position now because everybody thinks, well, look how high it went or whatever. And it's like, I, I really don't think people will understand the wall of money that will come when they eventually do approve that spot ETF.
1: Right. And- because there are certain institutional investors that, that just, they aren't ready yet to hold physical Bitcoin. Right. Part of yeah. what we do, we do at Unchained. And this isn't necessarily my division, but as we can, we can help corporations and other institutions. Take physical custody of their own Bitcoin, but not everyone can get into their first Bitcoin exposure that way, right? Sometimes they want to dip their toe in and get their feet wet before they actually become self-sovereign. So you're right. There are a lot of institutions specific, especially, I should say that are just not going to get in there until that physical Bitcoin ETF comes out.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a good point. I mean, it's also the case that like there's other ETFs and other mutual funds that can hold ETFs right so that's another wall of money on top of another wall of money and i, I it, to me i think the potential upside i i've been saying for years that when they approve the spot etf like the the days of the of, of this type of opportunity in bitcoin are done like you're going to have almost an immediate skyrocket and everybody expected that out of the futures one and I, and i said before it's in release like it's not going to happen because it's a manipulation tool and i think it's kind of like to me i think in some ways they're using this period of time to manipulate and push down price so that a lot of the really wealthy people that have tons of capital who didn't get in can get in before things completely run away from them because I think they ignored it. And now I think like the greed factor set in and they're like, man, we really kind of missed out and we let these peons all become wealthy and we want our peace now before it runs away.
1: That's the definite possibility. Yeah. So, How does a
0: Bitcoin IRA compare with the retirement accounts that most people are using right now, like a 401k?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things we try to do is make it as similar as possible for you uh, to the accounts that you're used to um, just for ease of use, but while still offering you sort of that level of private key control. So when you're using, like, for instance, you know, if you're using an unchained IRA, you're able to log into your unchained account. You'll be able to flip over to your IRA account. You'll see your account balance on a nice dashboard. You can download statements. It's going to look a lot like a traditional legacy financial system IRA that you're used to. But unlike that type of IRA, you know, no one's going to be able to seize those coins from you there because you have a level of control over your private keys.
0: How, how are you doing that? Is that being done like through a multi-sig or do I have a hundred percent control or like you have one key and I have the other? Is that how that works?
1: Well, you have a quorum under our product. So it's the way this works is kind of interesting, especially with some new tax guidance that has sort of come out through what's called the McNulty case, uh, that dropped late last year in terms of how we can set this up while still offering you control over your private keys, but still be conservative as to IRS compliance, right? So the way we handle this is the first thing you have to know about IRAs is they're required to have a licensed financial institution acting as custodian. Um, that's a statute. We can't get around that's a statutory requirement. So the way we handle this is we open up for you. What's called an unchained vault. Uh, an unchained vault is basically a multi-signature wallet on our platform. Okay. Uh, an unchained vault that is titled on our platform the same way that an IRA, a normal IRA would be titled. So, the way an IRA is titled is it's the custodian for the benefit of you. So it would be, for instance, the, the financial institution we use as custodian is Solera National Bank. So your IRA account would be titled Solera National Bank, FBO, John Doe. Uh, that would be the same as if you opened a, a Fidelity uh, IRA, National Financial Services, LLC is their IRA custodian. So that would be National Financial Services, LLC, FBO, John Doe. So on that level, it looks similar. Um, what's going on behind the scenes is that the, custo- the custodians of so the bank and you and Unchained uh, execute at account opening something called a tri-party delegation agreement. And what that agreement says is that control over the private keys is delegated to you, the client, as well as Unchained. So it's a two of three multi-signature vault, meaning there's three total private keys. You need two signatures in order to move the coins. You don't need all three. You, the client, hold two of the keys. We at Unchained hold one as a backup in case one of your keys gets lost or compromised or something of that nature. You would still have access to your coins. Now, for IRS compliance purposes, and this is especially important in light of, I said, that new guidance in the what's called the McNulty case that came out this past November, Um, the custodian through us, they, they subcontract this to us is monitoring that multi-signature vault to make sure, you know, for IRS compliance purposes. So for instance, if, you know, although we don't have the private keys, we do have the public keys and the wallet configuration file, which allows us to view all the transactions. And the reason that's important is if you were to use your keys to move your coins out of that vault, that has to be reported to the IRS as an IRA distribution. Um, because it's a tax-advantaged account. So if you were to do that in our continuous monitoring, that would be noticed. The custodian would report it to the IRS appropriately. That kind of monitoring is necessary in order to stay on the right side of the uh, custodial account requirement under the
0: law. So we go into a custodial account. I get that. I don't mind (laughs) the reporting there. If I did, I wouldn't put that asset in that account. Right, exactly. clear on what we're saying here, there's nothing – other than a law that prevents me from moving my Bitcoin off of that location. So, right?
1: The law doesn't even prevent you from doing it. The law just well, says if you do it, there's a tax
0: consequence. It, there's a consequence to it. So what I'm getting yeah. at is if, if my whole life goes to shit and I don't care – and I'm willing to take the risk. I still have complete control over that Bitcoin.
1: That you hit the key right, or you hit the nail right on the head. That's the key to the whole thing. Or point,
0: if I, I donate to some cause that the newest form of tyrannical government decides they hate, and they put a freeze on my assets, I still have access to that Bitcoin. Those Correct. You, right.
1: We cannot. If the government came to us or came to the IRA custodian and said, "Hey, freeze this guy's assets." It would be a physical impossibility. That's what I'm uh, we, looking for. we don't, we don't have, we would, we of course comply with all government orders, but, yeah. uh, you know, we can't comply with a court order. You know, they in contempt. I don't know how familiar you are with the law of contempt. So when you get ordered to do something by a court and you don't do it, uh, the court enters a contempt order for you and there's yeah. civil contempt where you get fined and there's criminal contempt where you go to jail. Uh, impossibility is a complete defense to contempt. Meaning, meaning, you know, you can't throw someone in jail for not following a court order, which it's impossible for them to apply
0: to. If you you give me a court order to fly out the window, i sorry, I don't have wings. Right.
1: And at the same time, we're not enabling in any way, uh, you know, any sort of tax evasion because we are monitoring those transactions uh, and they're all consistently reported to the IRS. So if you were to withdraw those coins, No matter who you're, if you're sending them to anyone in the world, it doesn't matter. We don't know about that, but we are reporting it as an IRA distribution to the IRS, and if there's that's a taxable event, you'd have to pay tax on
0: it. And that's where people really need to think about, you know, come the whole Roth and traditional, because I can put a buttload of money into a Roth IRA, and I'm only really subject to penalties on withdrawal of gains. Right. Correct. And we'll treat Bitcoin like a stock for that. Like if I put all the money initially into one stock and the stock went up in value, but I sold less than the value I contributed, you know, with certain time restrictions, that's that's not, uh you know, interest in penalties and, and all that stuff. Because I already pay tax on that.
1: Right. right? With or, a Roth IRA. That's correct. Right. You can withdraw your contract. The way we call that is you can withdraw your contributions early without tax and penalty. It's just the the gains that you can't withdraw before 50, age 59 and a half without tax and penalty.
0: Very cool. And, and, and then just cause I know people are out there going to ask this question. We've already just uh, stated that you would not be able to prevent me from taking my Bitcoin, but that also would infer that you're also not able to take my Bitcoin. If the government came in and said, correct, we want Jack's Bitcoin. You're back to that impossibility defense. We have no way to do that, which puts us in a world where it's, It's a little bit different, I think, than people are accustomed to. People have, I think, have gotten very accustomed to custodial and non-custodial wallets. We're really in a realm of a non-custodial wallet in that you don't have custody of the keys to the wallet, but we have, like, custody of the information. Would that be a Mm -hmm. good way to describe it? But You guys have access to the info. I've, I've KYC'd in. I mean, obviously, if I'm putting this in a government retirement account, I'm not trying to hide it or I wouldn't put it in a government. Retirement. Exactly. Right.
1: Yeah. We do KYC just like any other account. Uh, and your KYC information goes to both us at Unchained and then also to, uh, like I said, we use Solera National Bank as IRA custodian because legally we can't be an IRA custodian. Um, you have to be a regulated, uh, you have to be regulated by State Department of Banking or by the IRS directly to be, uh, an I, uh, And I, excuse me, an IRA custodian, we're neither one of those things. So, uh, yeah, your KYC information goes both to us and then also to, uh, Solera, our financial services partner.
0: So what do you say to the person that says Bitcoin's too volatile to put into a retirement account?
1: Well, I mean, it depends on what your time horizon is, right? I mean, if you're yeah. 80 years old, you probably shouldn't go 100% into Bitcoin right now. I mean, I, I hope I don't get in trouble with our marketing department by saying that. But, uh, you know, I understand. I mean, you just need a certain amount of assets, at, you know, if you're on a short time frame that are going to be, you know, ready to be spent right away and sort of not subject to shorter term volatility. Uh, if you're 30, 40, 50 years old, the calculus is different because the short-term volatility shouldn't matter to you as much. You're looking more at the long-term growth in the asset. And I should say, even if you are 80 years old, that doesn't mean you can't have Bitcoin exposure at all, right? Uh, you, you still may want to have exposure for future generations that you're going to pass that down to. It just may not be, you know, for it, you might not be what, you know, the Bitcoin slang is on zero, meaning like, you know, 100% of your assets necessarily in Bitcoin. So,
0: you know, let's talk a little bit about holding your own keys. Is there, you kind of mentioned something back there. If I hold my own keys and you can't get access to my money, is there, once I'm in this thing, is there any safeguard I have for, for recovery? If I screw up and lose my information, like with a completely non-custodial wallet where if I, if I screw up, it's my problem. It's gone.
1: Yeah, so, uh, it, well, it depends. In our setup, you do have a little bit of a backup, right? So typically, if you're holding all your own keys, uh, you lose your key, you're done. Like that's a, in a single SIG wallet, that's it. It's gone forever. Um, with a multi-signature setup like we do, you can lose or have compromised one of the two that you're responsible for. Uh, okay. if, if, you know, it, because it's a two of three, right? So if you yes. got one and then you come to us and you prove your identity and say, Hey, I lost one of mine. We need to move these coins. We can help you because we can sign. Okay. Uh, if you lose both of the keys that you're responsible for, then we can't help because it's a two of three and we only have one, right? Two is one, so,
0: one is okay.
1: Yeah. So what, you know, what you, it, the, I, I, we have a concierge team that helps train people on things like how to manage their private keys, how to store them. Uh, right. But the, you know, what they'll tell you if you sign up for a consultation with them is, you know, you want to keep these, your two keys in this setup sort of geographically distinct for obvious reasons, right? Because gotcha. you can't afford to have them. Like the worst thing you could do is to keep them together because then, I mean, what the, what's even the point at that point? Because if, one of them gets compromised, they're both going to get compromised if they're physically in the same location, right? Correct. So there's a lot of security best practices with regard to that stuff. Um, you know, that's not advice that that I give. Like I said, we have a team that actually trains and helps people that are new to Bitcoin with that sort of thing. But yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's the general idea. So
0: just like so clear it up for the audience to make sure and that I'm explaining it right too. It would be like I have keys A and B, and you have mm-hmm. keys C. Right. Mm-hmm. And if I decide for what I'm I'm going to freaking Sweden and I'm hiding out or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. I can use keys A and B and I can move the coins. Yep. Right. If I lose a we can use A and C together. But you have to verify on me. So if somebody gets a and says, Correct. I want Jack's money, you're like, you're not jack screw off. Right. right. Or I can use key B with key C and either of those combinations will work. But when I'm using that service from you guys as my my custodial account for the retirement account, I have to then prove to you I really am Jack. And that if you only gets one set of the keys. It's locked up. It actually seems fairly similar without the retirement account added to like what keys.casa does.
1: Well, yeah. So the way I just explained our, the what the way you just described our multi-signature vaults uh, applies to all of our products, not just IRAs. They all work okay. that way. So you could open just a regular multi-signature vault with us, under your personal name that's not a retirement account at all, and it would work exactly that same way.
0: So if we had somebody out there that says, you know, I want to put some of this in retirement, but I also want, like, there's probably some people right now going, that's a pretty damn good thing on, you know, we do have some people are deep into privacy and and hold coins like Monero or Pirate Chain Mm -hmm. or things like that, and they just want that completely off-grid. We have a lot of people, and I've advised people, especially with Bitcoin, I think you want your Bitcoin lily white because I think some of the financial products that are coming in the next 10 years, if if, if you want to participate in some of that, you're going to want to be able to say, yeah, this is my legitimate freaking property that I own. And so like, I'm not big on coin mixing or anything like that with Bitcoin. And so if you're doing that anyway, there's probably people out there going, it'd be really nice to have a backup. It'd be nice to have like my keys buried, you know, here and my keys buried over there. And I got two of them. And if I screw up, Somebody can help me as long as I have the other one. And yet I don't lose the control. Like, so your one key will never work without me.
1: Correct. And, and my two
0: keys will work without you. And that's a, that's a pretty interesting service. What does that cost a person as far as like fees or whatever? And let's separate that to like, what is the management, I guess, cost for an IRA? And what would be the management cost for something that's just simply multisig?
1: So for our standard, just multi-signature vaults that are not IRAs, there is not a fee for that. Um, okay. we don't charge an annual fee. We only charge you, uh, if you lose one of your keys and you need us to sign, we charge you for the, for us actually stepping in and signing as your backup. I don't remember the fee right now for that. It's a few hundred bucks. It's not What's like $10,000 or something crazy like that. So that's how our personal vaults work. Uh, Our IRA vaults, uh, there's a one time setup fee of $995. And then there's a flat annual fee starting in year two of $250 a year. Okay. Um, And that covers all your tax reporting, you know, all that sort of stuff. Now, if I should also mention, since I mentioned it before, with any of our services, IRA or not, if you're not as familiar with how to use private keys, how to do multi-sig, anything of that nature, uh, we also have a concierge service where somebody will hop on Zoom and hold your hand and walk you through everything step by step. Uh, that is $250, uh, You are our concierge service. For an IRA vault, it's a flat $250. For a personal vault, it's $1,250, but we give you $1,000 back in free Bitcoin. So it still works out to be... Uh, 250 bucks. We have other services as well, uh, like we, you can take a loan against your Bitcoin using your Bitcoin as collateral. That's something that we offer. Um, we have an enhanced annual concierge service as well for people that are very high net worth. But the stuff that I just went through with you, those are sort of, uh, I guess, basic level fees.
0: Kind of the main things that people would actually need uh, at a regular level. Um, exactly. I mean, we've kind of hit it already, but you want to maybe just kind of hit again why, why people really should want to hold their own keys with Bitcoin.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of your listeners are probably, you know, concerned about things like government overreach. Uh, you know, you've mentioned that already, you know, holding your own keys is obviously your best, best method of security against something like that. Uh, but even beyond that sort of stuff, I mean, there is a, uh, traditional, uh, bitcoin ira provider that does not offer any level of key control in other words it's a bitcoin ira uh where you know the ira custodian is holding all the keys uh and they were hacked just last week uh and it was customer bitcoin that got lost it was so basically the way they were operating oh. as i un- as i understand it is they had a gemini account and it wasn't gemini that it was ha- that was hacked it was their Gemini credentials were somehow obtained. It's what it's seen. Again, more information could come out. I don't have all the details, but their Gemini credentials were, were obtained. And then everybody, you know, customers started logging in to check their account balances and they were like zero. Um, so we still don't know how that's going to play out. Uh, if they're going to be able to be made whole, we don't know how much is taken. But that's always a risk when you're not holding your own keys, right? Uh, and the advantage of something like the Unchained setup is not only are you holding your own keys, but you're doing so in a more secure, redundant way. Uh, you're not doing so, you know, via like a single signature solution where, you know, a single SIG, uh, it's only one thing that has to be physically compromised and you're out of luck, right? With multi-SIG, you've got a lot more margin for error,
0: Yeah, I've always told people do not hold Bitcoin or any crypto on exchange unless like I understand what people are doing some trades and things like that. And you you don't want to have the time in and out, you know, back and forth. But if you're going to be holding, you know, more than a week, get it the hell off the exchange into your own custody, because people will say things like, well, Bitcoin got hacked. Bitcoin did not get hacked. Somebody's gooey. That gave access to the keys got hacked. Right, so that, that's what happened. They built a system of access, and then they got access to that system, and then everybody that's in that system is just sitting there.
1: Yeah, it's and like the, the lady that that had all those Bitfinex coins, and the media acted like Bitcoin got hacked. She, yeah. No, it was she stored her private keys on Amazon Web Services, right? So yeah. they yeah. weren't particularly hard to get the private keys if they're, you know, if Amazon is holding them for you. Talk about stupid
0: criminals. I mean, they got away with like $4 billion worth of Bitcoin. It wasn't worth that when they got it, but I think that's what it was worth roughly when the government got it back. And not only were they storing it on AWS, they were basically saying that they stored their Bitcoin on AWS on their Twitter account and shit. It was like that's – and that's what I'm trying to get across to people. Like that whole not your keys, not your coins thing is true because someone else controls it, which is the entire – opposite of what one of the main purposes of Bitcoin was Bitcoin really wasn't created with the idea of everybody will be rich that buys it. It was that it's yours and you control it. And I don't need a bank and I don't need the government. But now that we also see it as digital property services like you're offering enable us to use that financial property inside investment vehicles. And I've always tried to get people to understand that too. Like, when people talk about well my 401k, your 401k is the, the car and then whatever mutual funds or whatever you're holding inside it, that's the cargo. And I think people need to really draw that delineation when we're talking about accounts, you're talking about a container, not the asset that's inside the container.
1: That's right. Yeah,
0: 100%. So, what's the trade-offs of going uh, for a Bitcoin IRA where I hold my keys, is there is there any downside to that
1: at all? Well, I mean, I'll be honest with you, it costs more, right? I mean, there are custodial Bitcoin IRAs that like are that that have extremely low fees now. And the reason they do that is they kind of they mark up the trading fees very high uh, and they kind of rely on people to be degenerate traders. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, that's not our business model. I mean, we convert your dollars to Bitcoin for you, but ours is a buy and hold product. Uh, we also, when we convert those dollars to Bitcoin, we only charge 50 basis points. We don't mark that up. We don't, like, try to make money on that. As a result, when you come over to us, we charge you a setup fee, and we charge you 250 bucks a year, right, which those custodial providers aren't doing. Like I said, they're also not providing any guarantees that your Bitcoin's actually there, uh, that it's not rehypothecated. Uh, you know, whatever the case may be. And, and as, and if you're rolling over a substantial sum, when you convert it over to, to, from dollars to Bitcoin, you're going to be paying a highly marked up transaction fee. Sometimes like one and a quarter percent depends on the provider.
0: Yeah. Now you just mentioned you, you convert my dollars into Bitcoin, right? Um, mm-hmm. and so that's actually probably really advantageous for some people because I could take money that's already kind of, held hostage inside a retirement account and roll it, roll it as cash. That's what,
1: yeah, that's what most of our our clients do. Uh, so they're rolling over funds from another retirement account. We guide you through that whole process. Basically, you sign an authorization that allows uh, Solera, our financial services partner, to reach out to your prior IRA provider and a, a, arrange a direct transfer of the dollars out of your old IRA. Uh then once the that transfer takes place, those dollars come to us. Our trading desk converts those dollars into Bitcoin. Like I said, we do fifty basis points as the fee on that. I mean you're gonna be hard pressed to find a lower fee out there. Uh and then we deposit that resulting Bitcoin right into that multi-signature vault where you have a quorum, you have control over a quorum of the keys.
0: So like that was kind of my other question. Like that is a real advantage because a lot of people are like, I'd like to buy Bitcoin, but they're their capital that they have available is already in retirement accounts. What about somebody like me? And I don't know what the annual limit is on a Roth IRA, but let's say I have Bitcoin and I don't want to sell it to fiat because I don't want to pay capital gains on it prior to it going into retirement account. If I have Bitcoin already, can I move Bitcoin that I already have control over into this vehicle?
1: Unfortunately not. The IRS doesn't that allow that. Sucks. So all all contributions to an IRA have to be in dollars other than rollover contributions from another Bitcoin IRA provider. So like if you okay. had Bitcoin in one of those custo, you know, uh, excuse me, one of those IRA providers that do not offer any control over private keys, um, then you could roll that into our IRA without having to go to dollars in between. Um, okay. But other than that, uh, Yeah, that would not that would you would not be able to transfer your non IRA Bitcoin into an IRA.
0: So and let's say I set up an IRA with you and obviously then I can hold cash and I can hold Bitcoin. Are there any limits to what I can hold in one of your IRAs that, you know, wouldn't be like obviously there's certain things I can't hold in a custodial IRA period. But is it pretty much an IRA that I could hold Bitcoin and
1: Ford stock in? So our IRA is just for Bitcoin. Uh, okay. If you want to be able to hold other types of ad, like stocks and bonds and stuff, you would just have a separate IRA for that. Fair enough. Um, and if you always wanted to rebalance, you can always do tax-free uh, transfers between those two IRAs, between our IRA ah. and, let's say, your stock brokerage IRA or the reverse. Um, so I decided
0: Bitcoin's or. made a really great run, and I also want to put some of my gains in the equities I have in another IRA, IRA to IRA, no harm, no foul can I trade just cash and back and forth between cash inside your IRA
1: so that we don't that we don't allow so okay. it's converted to, from cash to Bitcoin as soon as the money goes in and it doesn't go back to cash unless the money's coming out either like in distribute. terms of an IRA distribution uh, or a rollover to like an external IRA at like a brokerage or something like that
0: which I could still do because I had to have a money market in uh, IRA a. And I, I'm yeah. using new IRAB and I wanna I wanna take some profits, I would just basically do a transfer and then when I wanted to buy back, I would transfer back in.
1: Yeah, exactly. The only downside is those transfers, because they're running through the legacy financial system, are slow. Uh yeah. like they take like a week or or we're not talking day trading long. here, but exactly. You know,
0: if you wake up one day and Bitcoin's at three hundred fifty grand and it seems like it really ran away with itself and exact right. Yeah. If
1: you wanted to do something like that, you'd have the ability okay. to do that. You just might not be able to do it within, you know, twenty-four hours. You, exactly.
0: How, how does this compare to um like a self-directed IRA for Bitcoin? One of the things when I was researching this that I looked up with that that was pointed out it was a different company that provides a service similar to yours, is that if you screw up, it's on you, right? But yeah. if they screw up, it's on them. Like as far as the reporting requirements and all, like, you know, that type of thing.
1: Well, so, yeah, before, you know, I came to Unchained, what I used to set up for people were what are called self-directed checkbook style IRAs for holding Bitcoin. Right. Um, those those checkbook IRAs have sort of a long history in the real estate business for holding private real estate investments. The IRS had challenged those several times, like in the like late 90s, early 2000s, and consistently lost. So we all assumed we were in the clear um, on those. Uh, that changed in November of 2021. The tax court laid down this McNulty case, which, frankly, is really poorly reasoned and decided. Okay. Um, but if you were to follow the rationale of the McNulty case, it would cast into doubt the uh, you know whether or not those classic self-directed checkbook style iras are compliant with the internal revenue code um it didn't come right out and say that it's very hard to understand what it actually even came out and said because it's very uh, poorly reasoned i wrote a long in-depth article for the unchained blog about the opinion um and we also did a webinar on the unchained youtube channel if someone really wants to dig into the weeds on it but the short story is the way the Unchained product works by not being a, a checkbook-style IRA, the big distinction is in a checkbook-style IRA, the custodian doesn't have any insight on the actual transactions you're making within the IRA. Uh, they just get the year-end balance on December 31st of each year, and they get that from you via self-certification. Um, they don't even really – they don't know for sure other than the fact that you signed something that says you're not lying. That was what seemed to catch the ire of the court in McNulty are they the McNulty court kind of created this requirement that we had never seen before that the custodian had to be like intimately aware of all the underlying transactions. So that's a way in which our unchained IRA is different from a checkbook IRA is even though we don't have private key control we do have public keys and wallet configurations such that we're able to view all those transactions. Um so we do know every transaction that goes in and out of your IRA and they're all, you know, uh, appropriately reported to the IRS. So there's not that potential for tax abuse that there is within a checkbook style IRA. One of the things we're doing right now for a lot of people since November in light of that McNulty case is we're helping people convert their checkbook-style IRAs into an unchained IRA in an effort to be sort of compliant with that McNulty case rationale uh, to be more conservative with regard to tax compliance.
0: Gotcha. Um, What about people who say, you know, am I not just better off buying Bitcoin directly than putting it in something like a retirement account? I mean, my response to that personally is kind of like, why not both? There's limits to how much I can go into an IRA with every year anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think why not both is correct. Second of all, the big thing you have to keep in mind is for people my age and older, sort of middle age and older, uh, a lot, the bulk of our existing assets uh, are already in retirement accounts. So if we want to, I mean, we don't have an option. I mean, I could liquidate early pay a ton of taxes and penalties and then buy Bitcoin, but then I'm able to buy a lot less Bitcoin, right? It seems to make a lot more sense for me to just roll over into an unchained IRA, avoid all those penalties, and I can acquire a lot more Bitcoin that way. Um, you know, as the, our head of concierge services, Phil, likes to say all the time, like, well, he doesn't just say this, it's correct. He likes to remind us, I should say. Uh, There's $35 trillion in the United States locked currently in these tax-advantaged retirement accounts. So part of what we're doing at Unchained is trying to unlock those funds and get them out of the legacy financial system and into Bitcoin.
0: Definitely. And I I, I think that is actually right now a big thing. And that's why I said if they did the regular spot ETF, it would be game over with sub-100K pricing, I think, within a couple weeks at the most. Um, And I don't think it would go back down because that money that goes in that money's not coming back out that's that's long term money that will pour in when that happens. and I think that's kind of a big problem that people have my My reasoning too with wanting to get some of my bitcoin or my wealth into Bitcoin in retirement accounts is I'm seeing a, a whole trend emerging with you you mentioned earlier like borrowing against Bitcoin is collateral and borrowing against depreciating assets. In small increments over time is a formula wealthy have been using since the first real estate deed was issued, and it's a way to have a significant amount of income on an annual basis. That's not income; it's debt. Mm-hmm. And as long as that asset continues to appreciate, you keep rolling it back and rolling it back and rolling it back. Yet, yeah. and so a lot of people are starting to see that as their retirement strategy for Bitcoin. Michael Saylor's done so much to to educate people in in so many ways with Bitcoin, but especially that aspect. So a person says, "Well, I won't need tax deferment or tax, you know, uh exemption on it cuz that's going to be my strategy." My view is that's fine, but if it's inside the IRA, I have both options.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I I can decide, you know what? You know, I'm 79, I just got a freaking cancer diagnosis, I'm probably dead in a year, I'm going to go Freaking deep-sea fishing for six, six months, and I just want my money, and they're not getting any of it, right? Uh, um, it gives me a lot more flexibility in making that type of a decision.
1: Yeah, and I'm also going to throw a cheap plug in here, too. And you mentioned the idea of borrowing uh, against your non-IRA Bitcoin as a potential strategy. Um, that is a, a service we offer at Unchained as well. That's what our lending desk does. Uh, and our product is really unique in that regard as compared to our competitors in that we do not rehypothecate your Bitcoin, meaning your Bitcoin that you're using as collateral sits in a multi-signature vault so that you know it's always there. The only difference when you're using it as collateral versus not using it as collateral is instead of you having control out of two of the three keys, you only have control over one of the three keys. Unchained holds one, a third-party key agent uh, that we do business with called Citadel holds one and you hold one yourself uh, for your collateral Bitcoin. So that's unique. You know that you don't have any counterparty risk. If we go out of, you know, with a lot of, you know, Bitcoin back loans, if the lender goes out of business, well, they've been rehypothecating those coins, right? When I say rehypothecate, that means they've been lending them out to other parties, otherwise investing them, doing whatever with them. Right. Uh, and those coins may not, when you go, uh, you know, when that lender goes bankrupt, your coins might not be there. You know what I mean? Like, you might not get them back. Uh, With us, you know that's not an issue because you literally have all the public keys in the wallet configuration. You have access to view, uh, you know, the coins in that wallet on a daily basis. And you yourself are actually holding one of the keys.
0: Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of all this DeFi stuff because it's basically really high interest you can earn. But it's all because it's basically loaning your own crypto to enable others to margin trade. Yeah, and, and right. that's not what I'm about. That's, I don't think that's what Mike's about either. Like it's more like I want to borrow fiat against Bitcoin because one over time appreciates and the other depreciates, right? I don't mm-hmm. want to borrow Bitcoin and have to pay back Bitcoin. Like no freaking way. That's a, that's like, that's worse than borrowing gold and having to pay back gold. I want to say here's my, you know, my chunk of my Bitcoin as collateral and it's locked up. You know, so maybe it, I guess maybe that's a multi-sig where we both need the, the keys to release it back to me. I guess that's how that. Was.
1: Right. Yeah. So that I mean, that is how our lending desk works. So if you want the collateral, when you when you pay off your loan upon the return of your collateral, typically what happens is we at Unchained sign and then you would also sign. And then just, uh, if your key somehow got compromised, that's Citadel's out there is that third party holding a backup key. Okay. Um, but but that but the norm right is that you know we sign and you sign and we send that.
0: So I'm yeah. I'm, the, I'm not I'm not lending my Bitcoin in that example. I'm collateralizing my Bitcoin against the loan. And right, guess, that that I think is going to be a major long term retirement program for people, especially people that sock away you know over time two, three, four million dollars worth of Bitcoin. Uh, you know you're going if you're if you're going into uh, retirement at 65 with that five to seven years from now. Um, i've done some really conservative calculations and uh unless you know computers explode and disappear from the planet or you live to be some ridiculous like biblical age you'll you'll die and you'll still have all your bitcoin
1: yeah right exactly
0: cool um so we already talked about rollovers and I think that's probably your primary way that people are coming in, right? Because they have that captive capital.
1: Absolutely, and, yeah.
0: And they need to get moved in. I think that's awesome. Um I think we hit on fees on the 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 on both of them, but just to reiterate that like it's a flat annualized fee. It's like 250 bucks to manage the account.
1: Yeah, and it's I mean, it's not even really for managing, right? Because we're not we're not like giving you investment advice or anything. It's more so just uh, for us to handle all the tax reporting and monitoring and you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah.
0: So let's go through some stuff that people are asking in the sure. chat right now. One really is more generic and I guess it'd still be interesting to hear your take on this. Cause I get this one all the time. Uh And it, it also shows maybe someone that's very new because you're putting two things together that don't go together. Unless you're talking about hardware wallets, best place to buy crypto and crypto wallets. Well, if they're working with you, we've already established it, this is not for me to bring you my bitcoin, this is for me to in some way make a deposit in fiat to the account and then I am buying through your service in that
1: case. Well, if you're doing an IRA, yes. Uh, if you're yeah. doing just a regular personal vault, you can just transfer in your existing bitcoin. That's okay. what most of our that's what most of our our customer, our clients excuse me do. So, I mean, this gentleman asked what the best uh, Bitcoin wallet is. The best Bitcoin wallet is an Unchained multi-signature vault, of course. <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, and best place to buy Bitcoin. Well, it, with our IRA product, that's all integrated. So any dollars you uh, roll over to Unchained as part of an IRA, regardless of where you live, uh, we will convert those dollars to Bitcoin for you. If you are not... Uh, if, if you're talking about non IRA dollars, if you want to buy Bitcoin, um, we also have a trading desk that you can wire us non IRA dollars uh, and we'll convert them to Bitcoin and deposit them in your non IRA unchained vault for you. That currently, unlike the IRA, which is already in all 50 states and territories and all that, that. You know, non IRA buy Bitcoin is it's in about 12 or 13 states right now. But we expect that by the end of the year that that should be available in all 50 states.
0: And I'll throw in a couple of other things. Number one, I, I think people maybe put too much into this. If you're going to buy the Bitcoin and then do what you're supposed to do. And whether it's in one of your multi sigs, whether it's a small amount of money you're holding in a software wallet like Exodus or on a Trezor or a Ledger or something like that, other than fees, unless it's like Joe Spooty spun up today by Bitcoin website, right? It I don't think it's that critical where you buy your Bitcoin from other than you can pay too much in fees. Right. Um, I, I always recommend Coinbase as an option, even though the fees are that high because it's so damn easy. And it's, I found it to be a good, good on ramp that people kind of get their training wheels, buy a little bit of Bitcoin, learn to move it to a software wallet. I've loved what strikes doing. Um, and they have an option now called Payment in Bitcoin, where basically mm-hmm. you go to your employer and you fill out a direct deposit form and you could split your direct deposit. So let's say you're using, you know, Joe Blow's National Bank for all your yep. fiat, paying your bills and stuff. And you can say, I want 90 percent of my paycheck to go there and 10 percent to go to my strike. And it's going to kind of like you, but for a totally different reason. It's going to go in in dollars. Yeah. Uh, but you can have it go straight to Bitcoin either. Right. You can even do I want five percent of my my strike deposit or half my strike deposit in dollars and half in Bitcoin. And it's all automated and you can move it out the day it shows up. It's like within minutes. So even if you're using, um, you know, one of your multisigs, if you're buying through strike on a regular DCA through your paycheck, as soon as that comes in, you can pop that into your multisig. Right. I mean, there's nothing that. There's nothing that Correct. prohibits me or slows me down from making deposits into that once I set it up with you, is there?
1: Exactly. And one other thing I should I should mention, because you brought it up regarding hardware wallets. What I've been saying this whole time, maintaining your private keys. Uh, yeah, you would be doing that on a hardware wallet uh, for security. Our platform, in that regard, supports Cold Card, Trezor, and Ledger. Okay.
0: So the, the big three, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, next one
0: says... And this is another one of those things where, like, if you're thinking about it, the question is pretty obvious. Does the IRS see what you have in a retirement account? Well, you guys are reporting that. And the entire purpose of a retirement account is you actually are declaring to the government, I have this money in retirement accounts. And under your rules, I don't have to pay tax on it now.
1: Right. I mean, that's the idea. Interestingly... It, the actual holdings are not reported, like whether it's Bitcoin stocks or bonds or anything like that. What gets reported annually is the December 31st year end value in dollar terms. So if you have three Bitcoin there and Bitcoin are worth 50 grand each on December 31st, what gets reported to the IRS is $150,000. If you use your keys and move your coins out of the vault, what gets reported is the U.S. dollar value of the Bitcoin that was of so the distribution, the, right? Yeah, on the day okay. that you moved it, as opposed to you know one Bitcoin being moved. But yeah, that's interesting. I didn't think norm. of that. Like,
0: not, you're not going to like even in my my conventional IRAs, if I'm holding like uh, like two or three ETFs and two or three mutual funds and four or five stocks, all they're really reporting in that annualized reporting is the monetary value of
1: it. Correct.
0: Yeah. So they don't know I have Bitcoin. They don't know what my private keys are. I guess they could subpoena that information from you. Yeah, but or you could a, be
1: audited. Right. I mean, just even yeah. in the course of a tax audit, they could ask. But yeah, yeah. right. And I, then, then I like have that. to provide it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. So next one, we kind of hit on this pretty good, I think, already. But maybe we could just re- re-elaborate a little bit more. Uh, K-Bonk uh, says, elaborate on what, what a multi-sig wallet is and why it's best.
1: Yeah, I mean, a multi-sig wallet just means that, uh, instead of, you know, you, like with your classic single-sig wallet, you just need one signature. In a multi-sig wallet, you need a, you know, a pre- certain predefined number of signatures out of the total. So in an unchained, uh, vault, that's two, two signatures out of a grand total of three. Um, but the, I mean, that's not like a, that's the most common way to do multi-sig, and it's the way that we do it. We think it's the most effective, secure, and easy to deal with. But I mean you could have a three of five, you could have an eighty of a hundred, uh, you could have a two of five if you wanted to you know what you could you can theoretically with the with software set it up however you want.
0: I, I and I think that like again the big advantage is you can squirrel away key A and you can squirrel away key B. And like you said, if either gets compromised, because you know if somebody breaks in your house and they happen to grab your your firebox and they run out the door with it and they bust it open later, and, and if they have any idea what's going on, when you look at backup phrases and private keys, at this point, you're like, oh, I know what that is.
1: Right? Yeah, right.
0: And, and then like, even if they don't, they're going to go to their, their, their fellow thug buddy and go, what's this? He's going to be like, man, that's Bitcoin. And all of a sudden... Your Bitcoin goes away. And I've had users tell me they've had their keys compromised and sat and watched in like a Jax wallet or something, and just see multiple sweeps and watch yeah. all their crypto just go away. And with a multi sig, you gotta have two. It's like, um, like the old movies with the nuclear launch, right? You right. and I both have a key, but we can't reach. So one guy can't decide to start World War three, but we have to both three, two, one. And now we can launch the missiles. Right. And to me, there's a lot of security in that. Um, next question is, can you borrow against your Bitcoin if it's in your IRA
1: account? We don't allow that, uh, because the IRS says that if you do that, it creates something called unrelated business income tax or UBIT. Hmm. Um, and the whole point of an IRA is to like not pay taxes. So, uh, we just, it's not something we offer due to the negative tax consequences.
0: Yeah, and if you do it foolishly, let's say you 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 over leverage your holdings, you could get called out. Now you have to sell. Now you have a distribution. Yeah, right. Now you have a tax consequence on top of the other tax consequence. So, if and you want then the to- other
1: the other question is right. You could have to sell because like if you become under collateralized in your loan, if it's an IRA, like you can't. There's no way for you to add funds to that because you you know you know what I mean. You can't just randomly add a hundred thousand dollars to an IRA that's over the annual contribution limit, unless you happen to have another IRA out there with money in it that you could roll in. Yeah. So it would be, it would be very difficult. Uh, and that's why we don't support it. And so that's as well where, as adverse tax wise.
0: Yeah. So that's where this whole idea of some money goes in tax account, tax deferred accounts. Some goes in tax exempt accounts. Some stays out in the, in the wild so that we have multiple options. But, when we hit retirement age, we can start doing distributions to ourselves and liberate that money to be collateralized against. Absolutely. Um, the, there's like two questions in a row here, and I think they kind of go together. K-Bonk is asking about just the lending product in general, and then Ron's making – uh, um, I'm, I'm sorry, that's not the, the one I was looking for. It was one about – what? oh, this is here – What percentage roughly do they lend against Bitcoin? Like 60% loan to value rate. I wouldn't go that high. I mean, like.
1: Yeah, this is not my area of the business. So please forgive me, uh, if I make a misstatement, although I do not believe that I am. Uh, I believe our current loan to value rate is 40%.
0: Okay. Yeah. And I, to me, that's even a bit high. Like, you know, I'm, I'm more of like the 10, 20% guy, you know, maybe even started out the beginning of your initial retirement. Uh, if you have a, a significant stack there, you might be borrowing two to 3%. Um, just so that we're not destroying the stack in that, in that retirement scheme. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I would never go that high. I guess some people are like, I want to buy a house and I'd rather do this than, and I, I can understand that because so let's say I have a million dollars worth of Bitcoin and I want to buy a house. Well, I can either, and I, I need a hundred thousand. Uh, toward the purchase of the house. If I sell that $100,000 worth of Bitcoin, you know, I, I could have a $90,000 gain on that Bitcoin. If I'm a long-term holder, I might have to sell $150,000 worth of Bitcoin to net the hundred grand. But if I borrow against it, it's the same thing, you know, rationale of retirement on it. So I, I get it, but I'd be really, really careful guys with how much leverage you apply to any asset. I mean, you can get over leveraged and, you can get wiped out, and that's a, and then you're paying the tax anyway. So now you have the debt plus you had to cover. Now you're paying the tax on the money that you had to use to cover. So it's 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 something you gotta be careful on. Uh, is there any possibility of lending your Bitcoin out with your your product? That's what we, we that
1: around. is not a uh, a service that we offer
0: now. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was just based on what we've been talking about. Are um, interest bearing accounts or investment programs with Unchained coming in the future? That's kind of the same question, isn't same it? Same
1: question, yeah. I don't. I have no knowledge of of any upcoming such thing.
0: Ah, uh, there's an interesting one. Do you allow opening of an account for grandchildren? And that'll be our last one, unless we have. Yeah. So there. it depends
1: on how old they are. Uh, currently our internal policy is you have to be 18. Um, but if they are under 18, what you can do is you can set up a trust for your grandchildren. That's the better way to do it, anyway. I mean, you don't putting something in like a five-year-old's name directly is not usually the best move, right? So if you set up a trust for your grandchildren, we can absolutely open an unchained account uh, titled to that trust. Uh, And then the coin will be there waiting for them, you know, at whatever age you specify in the trust document uh, for them to be able to access them.
0: Yeah. I would always go with when you're handing down wealth through a trust and that gives you control, including the ability to change the way that's happening mm-hmm. up until the point where you kick off and cross the other side, whatever's there. We'll do this one for one more. I, I actually like this question. Uh, who do you follow in the crypto industry? Who do you think is like a forward thinking, uh, personality in, in crypto? Other than, of so, course, uh, Jeff Andrews.
1: Yeah. Right. So what I always say is, uh, you know, I don't, I don't follow crypto. I only follow Bitcoin, right? to okay. no, offense, no offense to anybody else out there. So
0: nothing wrong with being a maximalist.
1: Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, If I mean, a lot of your listeners are probably familiar with the Bitcoin Standard, which was his first book, uh, which was fantastic. He has a new book out as well. Um, Parker Lewis, who's right here at Unchained, has written some really great stuff, Gradually Then Suddenly. He works for you? Uh, yes, he works for us. Wow. He is our head of business development. I would love to have him on. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, I will, uh, I will ping the right people at the company to see if we can make that happen. That would be awesome. Uh, that, yeah. But yeah, so those would be, those would be my two answers for you. You know, I would
0: add to that, and I, I, I love both of those guys. I would add Michael Saylor and, uh, and Pomp. Okay. And, cool. and, uh, Peter, I, not really so much him as the person, but as a podcaster and the people he interviews, uh, Peter McCormack. Mm-hmm. With what Bitcoin did, and Robert Breedlove, who has a lot of lovers and haters because he dared shitcoin one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm not a maximalist. I used to call myself a uh, a maximalist light. I found a new term that's a little bit more descriptive. I am a shitcoin minimalist. Um, <laughs> very few other things. I I do like the idea of having like complete and total privacy. Uh, so a, a coin like Monero or R, I think I see especially for individuals. Uh, to have some privacy in 100% privacy. I look at Bitcoin as like the most secure asset you can hold, but not very private. It's like having a house that's got 12 inch, you know, bomb proof walls, but mm-hmm. people could see inside. Um, but it's incredibly secure. Like you can hit it with a bomb and it just goes, okay, sorry, I'm still here. There's nothing you can do about it. Whereas some of these other uh, technologies allow you to take that wealth and obfuscate it to the point of invisibility. And I think that. Hopefully we won't ever really, really, really need that. But when I look on crap, what's going on in Canada right now and like little old ladies having their bank account seized because they dared make a contribution. Man, I, I think we might need that someday. So that's, that's what keeps me in the game with some of the other stuff and some of the cool stuff that's being done with, uh, NFTs. I find really interesting, not selling pictures of monkeys or something like that, but like there's a product we've talked about recently built on Algorand that's like, enabling things like a company called Liquid Vineyards that's letting you or I, if we're like wine connoisseurs, basically buy the license rights to specific vines and specific vineyards for a specific number of years. Like I yeah, find Michelle. technology like that intriguing, but when it comes to, you know, what is money? Bitcoin, baby. It's Bitcoin. <laughs> there can only be one. It's like Highlander, right? Absolutely. Jeff, this has been a great interview. Um, I would like you to tell people now where they can learn more about all of the great things that we've been talking about today and how they can do business with Unchained.
1: Yeah, sure. So if uh, if you're interested in an Unchained IRA or any other sort of Unchained product or hopefully multiple Unchained products, uh, if you go to Unchained.com, uh, r- from right there, you can schedule a consultation with someone on our client solutions team. There are client-facing people. Uh, they'll help you and walk you through that whole process, determine what products are best for you, and get you onboarded into them. So, yeah, Unchained.com, you can schedule, like I said, schedule a consultation right there, and one of our great client solutions team members will help you out.
0: And I've got your website. I've got links down to the description of the vaults, the IRAs, uh, your personal Twitter, your LinkedIn, all that stuff that you sent me when you- uh, you applied to be on the air. I'll make sure that's all in the show notes that go out with the audio version. Those watching the live stream now, the audio version goes out about 60 minutes uh, after we shut down the live stream. There'll be a link in the video notes below. If you click it now, you're going to get, hey, it doesn't exist. Give it about an hour, and we'll have all the, the links for everything that we discussed today. Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. This was very educational.
1: Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, man. Certainly a very
0: informative interview. I have links to everything Jeff mentioned in the show notes. Uh, You'll see my normal links, uh, as always. Underneath that, you'll see Jeff's links and then Sponsor of the Day links. With that, let me remind you, one of the ways you can help support this show is do your online shopping at tspaz.com. That's T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. If you go there, you'll find all the items that I recommend. And today's item of the day is the one-quart courant. Mini slow cooker. It's a little bitty crock pot. A little one. You know, like a little desktop one. Like you could actually reheat stuff in your office if you go into an office to work from leftovers the night before. Stuff like that. And you might think, so what? There's a million of those things. You can get them for nine bucks at friggin', uh, what, like, uh, I can't think of it now. The, the, the charity company, the, the thrift store. Uh, Goodwill, right? You know, little plug-in ones. They got one temperature. On. No, that's not good enough. Believe it or not, it's actually hard to find a good like one-and-a-half to two-quart size mini slow cooker. Really hard. One that has like three settings, keep warm, low, and high, and that they actually mean something, and it doesn't actually destroy food. This thing is awesome. It's 27 bucks compared to like $14, $15 bucks for the plug-it-and-forget-it ones, but it actually works, and it doesn't destroy your food. You want to check my write-up today on it, too. I give a ton of tips on how to use this. This is one of the main ways that I don't waste food. And I stay keto, and I keep my life easy when it comes to eating my midday meal. Uh, you can check it out at tspaz.com, or just go to the main website at survivalpodcast.com and scroll down, and you'll find it in today's listings. And then the other thing I wanted to remind you of is you can help support the show by joining the MSB. Now, yesterday, I rebroadcast my uh, uh, my Anarchapolco presentation and did some Q&A with it. And I mentioned a resource and uh, up until now, that resource had been hidden, and I've now made it available to everybody. It's survivalpodcast.com forward slash Mexico. Well, in that um link resources of all the stuff that goes along with that support, there's a discount code. And right now, anybody can get $35 off an annual membership of M- Member Support Brigade with the discount code MEXICO22. So it's M-E-X-I-C-O-2-2, all lowercase, no spaces. The discount doesn't even expire until the end of next month. So you might check out that resource page. And if you've been thinking about joining MSB and you're not an MSB member already, discount code MEXICO22, get your $50 membership for 35 bucks. And I'd like you to either think about it this way. There is a bunch of discounts that pays for itself. I, I say that all the time. But just look at it a different way. Have you listened to one show in the past year, and thought that one show is worth 20, 30, 40 bucks. If so, just consider it a value for value exchange. Become a member and then get all the benefits as a side item, like an extra, as a, as a byproduct. Uh, it, it is by having members that I can get on the air five days a week and do this show. Even if you only listen a couple times a week, like you look for the ones that you like, I couldn't do five and get you those two. If I didn't have supporting members, and if I wasn't delivering value to them, I wouldn't have them. So consider being a member today, and with that, let's go ahead and wrap things up. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Tomorrow we'll have an expert council show, and then Friday we're going to be doing Outback with Jack. But I've checked the weather report, so as of now, Outback Jack will still be in Jack's office. Outback with Jack on Friday. Catch you guys tomorrow with the expert council Q&A show of the week.